Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everyone, how you doing out there? It's Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. We are back after a one-week break for the Week 10 CFB Dynasty College Fantasy Football Podcast. For most of you, the regular season is done. We're getting into the playoffs now. So we're going to talk about some stuff from the last couple of weeks. We're also going to talk about some stuff for the Fantasy Football Regular Season Awards and uh, a few other things from there. BMAC, how you doing? How was your conference that you were at during the week nine when we we're supposed to be recording the podcast? How'd everything go up there? <laughs> yeah, so I went out to Las Vegas for the SEMA show. Um, our marketing company, we've got experience in automotive, so... We're just kind of rekindling some old relationships and everything and uh, should end up with some clients. But I was with, uh, you know, some guys, friends from work who are night owls is not my jam. So we were were at Circa downtown. I'd never I'd always stayed on the strip in Vegas um, all the years that I went. But Circa was awesome. They have an incredible sports book. So, of course, as soon as we checked into the hotel, I went and placed two bets on some action, went 2-0. That was fun. Um, and then <clears throat> just these guys, uh, they can sleep in and I cannot. <laughs> so we'd be up till 1.30 in the morning, and then I'd be awake at 6, down at the sports book, answering emails, drinking some coffee. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was too busy for sure to to fit the podcast in. So... Yeah. That stinks, but um, overall, hey, it's all, man, it's all good though, conference. man. It's a team, it's a team effort, man. I could, yeah. I could have got up at two o'clock in the morning and recorded <laughs> one for you, but yeah, it just was was not going to be in the, in the uh, not going to be in the cards for us last week. That's all right. The other thing is, I had never flown Spirit before. Normally, I'm really productive on flights. I had never been on a flight without Wi-Fi. That was so weird. So I was expecting to get a bunch of CFB stuff done, but we got rankings out early and. We got them out early this week too, so uh, it's playoff time for fantasy. I'm stoked about that. So I'm sad you missed out, though. I'm sad hey, you missed out. Yeah, I did. You know, the thing that sucks is I, I felt like I had a decent team. I had some holes to fill. Um, the problem was is uh, I just had some really bad, uh, really bad injuries uh, that and I made a couple of a couple of of mistaken waiver wire picks trying to look for the future, and um, just is what it is. But yeah. one thing we can talk about, we're going to talk about it later. But you know what? Instead, we're going to talk about it right now is how do you keep guys interested in college fantasy football when the playoffs aren't there? My late brother, Mark, would always say more games means more fun. So one of the things that we are implementing in this league this year, uh, which is something that we're borrowing from from another league, but it's something, hey, you know, uh, imitation is the the best form of flattery, is we actually are putting for the first time ever, there's going to be bowl games in the CFB Dynasty Home League this year. So what is the purpose of a bowl game? So our playoffs start in week 10 or week 11. There are four teams playing. You have your top two seeds on a bye, just like most 12-team leagues have. But there are six teams that are just sitting there doing nothing. For them, the season is over. However, in week 12, you have the 11th place and 12th place, 9th place and 10th place, 7th place and 8th place, and then the two guys that lost in the first round are all going to be playing. Well, what are they playing for? They're playing for draft position next year. So this way you're not rewarding a dude if a guy just checks out and his team sucks and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to lose every game so I can get the first pick in the draft next year. 
Well, now he has to go and win a game in week 12. And if he wins that game, that's how he's going to get that number one pick. So it's not a ton of stakes, but at least it makes it where you have to be rewarded for winning. You don't get rewarded for losing. So that's going to make it totally different in the bottom bracket. It's the first time in 15 years that the guys that are also Rams, kind of like myself, that didn't make the playoffs. Now, granted, I was only one game out of the number five seed, yet I'm playing. And I was a number nine seed through tiebreakers. Just shows how tight our league was. The top nine teams in the league were very, very tight. It's kind of funny. I remember in a, in the pro side of our league, we made the rule a different rule change for when Michael Vick was making his return from prison <laughs> because everybody wanted him and everyone was going to try and position to get him. Um, so we made a rule change to guard against it. Now we've got this this coming up here for our bowl games with Arch Manning coming into the draft next year. So that one's going to be a fun one oh, yeah. to see who wins. And I have Sean's pick. So he's, he's playing against... Uh, Joe for the first pick. So, he's so playing Sean for is me playing. Sean round. is playing to get you the first pick. Man, come on, Sean. I Sean, how, to... what are you doing, man? <laughs> I might have. Well, he got a chain in the deal. So, ah, all right. Uh, yeah, but still. Um, you know, the other thing you can do, which is something that we do, and we're starting next year, we're going to make sure that we make a much bigger deal about it, is called global domination. Uh, in what we do, it's a college pro league. So you have the same owner having a college team and a pro team. And we try to make sure that the combination of the record for your college team and your pro team go together to show you, to show who is the best overall um, GM in the league. That way you don't have somebody, because you can trade college players, college draft picks, pro players all together. And we want to make sure that we don't see people that are just going to like, forsake their college team to get a, a pro ship or vice versa. This way they have to actually go in and, and do great in both sides. And uh, I th we just put our first rankings on. I feel like uh, Doug Gravely, the newest owner in our league is the guy who's at the number one spot right now, which is pretty impressive that he's uh that means he's, he's showing consistency in both leagues. And next year we're going to make a huge deal about that. So that that way that global domination is just as important as the college sh ship and the pro ship. Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, well, he he did get take over the team that had in the pros, at least that had <clears throat> ugh, Allen, they had Henry, uh, Justin Jefferson, he, he took over a really good team. But in the pros or in the college side, he's drafted really well. He's done a lot of research. And he's someone that um, is probably gonna eventually hop on the pod with us. And we'll see if he can uh, cut it for you guys. Yeah, but I think you guys are going to like Doug. Doug is a good guy, and uh, Doug has got some good opinions. He'll probably be a good a good foil for the two of us in here. So uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So, BMAC, why don't we get to our Week 9 and 10 reactions? It's mostly Week 10, but there's a couple of Week 9s in there that are crazy. So, BMAC, as an SEC fan, and as an ACC fan for me, you want to talk about the changing of the guard. Three of the top six teams last year in college football lost, all from the ACC or SEC what do you feel about the craziness that happened last week? Because it wasn't like those games were even close, most of them. It's really weird. Honestly, like going into the game this week where you've got <clears throat> Alabama and Ole Miss, I have no really good feel for that game. And, and it's just odd. By now, typically you know a lot more about all these teams. And LSU, are they 
good. I, I mean, they've improved a lot. They, their O-line's improved a lot. And uh, they're really just featuring uh, Jaden Daniels and his, his legs. Um, but they've gotten better through the air, but nothing consistent for, for fantasy-wise. And then Alabama. Um, man, it's, it's really rough. You kind of hear late kick and Josh Pate talking about how it's a matchup based offense and same Greg McElroy was saying the same thing on his pod. It's a matchup based offense. They just don't have the matchups to exploit the defense. And it's just a uber talented receiver room that hasn't come to fruition. And their best offense is Bryce Young scrambling around. Um, and giving it to Jameer Gibbs. Like they're just unable to get any consistency on the passing game, which really is a shock to everyone and to all the fantasy footballers um, that play in college because, you know, going into the season, it was kind of take your pick. You kind of expected, okay, JoJo Earl is going to blow up. Maybe it's Jermaine Burton, who we had ranked really high, and I had a lot of stock in. Um, But dang, it's been really disappointing. Yeah, every every year you you see people draft in if they if they're not already taken the top three or four wide receivers on Alabama whether they're drafting them for this year or they're drafting them for future years, and Alabama has probably been the most disappointing wide receiver core in the country from a fantasy football perspective because I can't I can't tell you a single game this year in our league where I felt like it was won because of an Alabama wide receiver performance this year and it's been probably half a decade since that's happened. There's always been somebody. For, for Alabama, wide receiver performance has put somebody over the top. This year, it's been the opposite. And it's weird. This is not what you want going into the fantasy playoffs because you're you're having to make these lineup decisions. <clears throat> and typically by now, you're like super confident. Okay, Bryce Young's floor is really low. He's going to at least get me 30. Man, you don't feel that going into the, into the fantasy playoffs. So I am so happy I was able to earn a buy and kind of see Daquan Finn on my team come back last night. He had three touchdowns in a, in a good 28-21 victory for Toledo. Um, but dang, like for anyone who couldn't wait and had to start Finn last night, I'm sure it was uh, sure it was tough, tough to start him coming off an injury with all the ambiguity and all that stuff that goes into college fantasy injuries. Were you surprised? Were you surprised with the way that Clemson was handled by Notre Dame? Um, not really. I kind of expected that any week. What I was surprised by in that game is how Notre Dame was able to run the ball all over Clemson. Like their defense is, is, uh, stout. One of the best D lines in the country. And I know they've gone through some injuries there. Um, but that was really shocking, honestly, and not surprised at all that Clemson wasn't able to move the ball. They really they put in Klubnik in an awful situation, and he made one bad decision, and then he was out for the rest of the game. I don't really like what I see coming from Clemson. I don't know who you can start other than Shipley. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I feel like Clemson has been overranked all year. I felt like them being where they were in the rankings was was a little too much. Um, I feel like there was too much stock put in their victory over Syracuse. When you have to bench your starting quarterback in DJU to bring Klubnik in to get the win, um, DJU was doing absolutely nothing in that game. So it did not surprise me at all that Clemson was going to find a matchup and they were going to get beat. I did not think it was going to be Notre Dame dropping the hammer on them like that. But I agree with you. I I did not expect 
uh, that to happen. And and the ACC, I mean, shockingly enough, the, the most uh, consistent team has been UNC right now. Um, but everything else, all the other positions are wide open. Who's going to play in the ACC championship game? Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, Miami's been shocking how bad they've been. Um, Texas A&M along those same lines, how bad they've been. Um, oh, it's rough. And then, of course, Tennessee, um, they've got a really great fantasy playoff schedule. Um, you just hope they can recover mentally from the Georgia loss. Um, they're one of the favorites um, to make it into the college football playoff. So they should bounce back. They should feel really great about where they are. And so you've got to start like most of these Tennessee guys, including your boy who's finally healthy, Tillman. Oh, <laughs> your I'm first so round pick, right? First round uh, pick. That's like I'm saying. There's a good reason why I'm not in the playoffs because the guy that I thought was going to be the uh, the big the big guy for me this year basically didn't even play the whole year. Yeah, I got all those numbers from your boy Tillman. So. Um, but man, Hooker, Tillman, Hyatt, uh, small, like stardom. They're, they're going to be great in the fantasy playoffs. I think they've got like some like South Carolina, Vanderbilt. I can't remember who else, but good matchups for Tennessee, Missouri. I think's the other one. So a couple other reactions. Uh, so two weeks ago when we recorded, we were dogging on LaDamian Webb and uh, all he's done is have a, <laughs> 28 carry, 162 yard, three touchdown, and 35 carry, 247 yard, four touchdown performance since then. We feel like it is the CFB dynasty pop. These guys are watching the show. They hear us say something about them, and they go out there to put it back in our face. You're going to talk about me in a negative way on the show. Take this, Matt and Brian. But I was just <laughs> glad to see him actually do something this, this week. I got to get a win over Danny Tucker, which is always good in our league. Talk about rivals. You always want to beat Tuck. And so I got that win in the last week of the season. And, uh, you know, I was glad to see LaDamian help me, help me get that W. Heck yeah, man. Like there's another one of your players just going off right before the playoffs. Too bad. He didn't start that a little bit earlier. I'm telling you. And you know what the thing, the thing that was the trip is because I, we talked about, uh, me picking him over, uh, Abana Kanda and, mm -hmm. um, uh, in the, on the waiver wire and Abana Kanda was a late game. It was a, a late scratch. So he didn't even play last week. Yeah, yeah. So it's always uh, rough. The, yeah, always rough with those late game scratches. So uh, you know that that was brutal for those guys that were counting on him to try and get him into a into a playoff position to have him put up that big zero um at the last second. That that was rough. That was I know. rough. I know. Um so Austin Reed goes for 61. Um again. So I was playing against Sean. Um and he had him on the bench, thankfully. And I was like, wow, 61 on the bench. That's got to be the best performance of the week. And then the Houston and SMU game started. <laughs> that game yeah. was nuts. Um, I, I, one guy in our league has Josiah. He's got both of those quarterbacks, uh, Tune and Mordecai, and they both went off last week in fantasy. Yeah, when you nor normally normally when you have an 81-point quarterback sitting on your bench, you're like, I just don't even want to play, play games, sports, anything for the rest of my <laughs> life because that's just – horrible but he had his starting quarterback had more than that we're like that that's never happened before that has to be the most points ever on the bench in our league history i don't think we've ever had a performance like that on the bench before yeah oh, i don't know it's we've been around 15 years it's got to have happened at some point but um yeah i mean sometimes oh you just hate fantasy football <laughs> it's it's difficult to say but it's true um yeah, if you i'll start say it right now man I'm, I'm still i'm still salty from 15 years ago when sean had a 70 point performance 
um, out of a running back in the championship game that had never scored more than like 30 to beat me for the ship. And that's like 15 years ago. So yeah, man, we remember when these things happen. Yep. Fantasy football sucks, but it's also amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I want to go back. I want to go back to week nine really quick. Unbelievable scenario that happened. I don't know. We talk about things that happen in a game that you just want to say, and I don't want to play sports anymore. I'm surprised San Diego state is still even playing college football after what they let happen in week nine versus Fresno state. Mm. If you did not watch it. So be will always talk about back in the day, I would text him at two o'clock in the morning uh, about crazy things that happened in a game. This end of that game happened super late. And I was messaging the group. I'm like, if you guys aren't watching this game, I can't believe what just happened. San Diego state is up 28, 17 with a minute and nine seconds left in the game. At 56 seconds left in the game, Fresno State has taken the lead 32 to 28. Somehow Fresno State scores 15 points in 13 seconds. How do they do it? Touchdown, two-point conversion. They kick one of those weird kind of like mid-length uh, onside kicks that bounces off the top of the, uh, off the, the hands team line. Um, Fresno State recovers it at the other 37-yard line. Then they throw a 37-yard touchdown. To make matters worse, San Diego State throws an interception with 44 seconds left. So you want to talk about snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It was one of the, the craziest things that I've seen this year in college football to go from we've got a sure win with 11 seconds left, with, with uh, a minute nine seconds left, 11-point lead, to how the heck do we just let that go away? Literally, like you blink your eyes. You could have gone to the bathroom and missed all that. <laughs> what a wild game, man. I love this sport. It's, it's so great. So, Back to that Houston SMU game, 56-35 halftime score. What in the freaking world? Who is the defensive coordinator, Houston? Come on. 56 points. Did you have, do you have 11 people on the field? What is going on? How do you let 56 points? There are some teams that don't let 56 points go in in a month, and you did it in a half? Come on now. I know. Looking at the score, you know, you kind of would have thought maybe Rasheed Rice had – 40 catches in this game he had a pretty normal game for him which was still good couple touchdowns but could have been uh insane what a fantasy matchup so these are the ones where when you're looking at over under which they had the highest projected of the week you don't expect 77 63 but those are the ones you are playing the the percentages the probability of a high scoring game so that's what we try and do is give you a, a probability advantage and uh help you set your lineups using the the data at hand. Um, but always, of course, you know, you can go with your gut and uh, play a matchup, whatever. And, uh, but that's what, that's what we're here to do. And one of the great things about college fantasy football is rankings. We talk about the rankings every week and a lot of the same guys are at the top of the charts because you're looking for consistency. You're looking for guys like Brian said earlier about uh, what's their floor going to be. You want to put in a guy that you know is going to be able to get you X amount of points he might be able to uh he might be able to get you a little bit more than that rarely are you going to be taking a chance on a guy that hasn't really done a whole lot all year but the week 10 players that were the top fantasy scores all were guys that I don't even I don't even know where they were on the rankings um yeah Austin Ayun from North Texas whipped up on FIU which pretty much everybody's doing uh but he had 414 yards five touchdowns top performer of the week last week you had Edward Sadie from Temple, 24 carries, 265 yards, and three TDs. And then Tyrone Howe, wide receiver from Yale Monroe, targeted 16 times, 12 receptions, 176 yards, two touchdowns. 
if you had those three guys in your lineup, I want you to go buy me a Powerball ticket. <laughs> because if you had all three of those guys and you started off, you probably won your game. But I can tell you right now, I don't think I would have recommended those guys all be in your starting lineup. They just they just came out of nowhere, had a great performance, but that's what you want. You want those guys that are going to be able to, to give you that feast or famine, crazy amount of points like that going into the playoffs. Yeah, speaking of going into the playoffs and scenarios, so let me give you one here that I'm thinking of. So I've got the bye week this week, but I'm looking ahead to the following week <clears throat> where I don't have great matchups. So it could come down to a flex play because I've got Chase Brown on my team who's playing at Michigan. I'm going to have to sit him, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can start him at Michigan. That might be the one game where you just can't start him at all. But if you're looking at Lejante Wester, a wide receiver for FAU, he killed it early on in the season. Um, he's averaging still like 15 fantasy points a game. Um, he, you know, a few weeks ago had... 13 targets, 15 targets, but his targets have come down. Nikozi Perry, who we'll talk about in a few, is uh, kind of starting to struggle a little bit. In his last three games, he's had four catches, catches, five catches, and two catches. Um, and so he's kind of stumbling into the playoffs, where if you look at just his average and over the year, you'd probably play him over someone like Evan Stewart, who... Um, you know, as a freshman, he started off really slow. Um, but in his last four games, he's had 17 targets, 10, 13, 16. Um, and he's, he's catching six or eight balls a game. And although he's only got one touchdown in the last four games, um, I feel like you kind of got to lean towards Evan Stewart in a game like that, even though the matchup might not be as good. I take that back. They're playing UMass next week. But. <laughs> incredible, incredible matchup. Incredible matchup. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of tough, though, when you have these decisions to make and you're kind of looking at trends and how players are trending. Um, you've got to make some tough choices going into the playoffs because uh, you only get one shot and you're going against the best of the best. Uh, I playoffs, as long as you can get in, as long as you can sneak in, that's what matters. Wish I was going to be there, but now I'm just playing for the pick. In MVP, in the MVP Dynasty League, I am actually in the playoffs over there, so I'm pretty pumped up about that. And uh, you better watch out because I might be a champion over there. <laughs> I love it. So the next segment we want to go to, we want to talk about the, the regular season winners by position. So what we're going to do here, we are actually going to pull up um, our league, our CFB Dynasty home league, and we're going to look at the uh, – top scores at position BMAC, do you want to pull that up on your side too so we can look at it uh, in real time oh let's just go through it it's fine because i'm okay. going to be flipping back and forth between um our preseason cheat sheets that we had so we can kind of see where players awesome. were ranked going excellent, into the season etc so uh you know what it looked like i may have had the wrong screen pulled up before when i had the cozy perry up there because i'm like uh, maybe i had just a single week up there but so we're going to start <laughs> off 2022 year to date we're going to look at the top quarterbacks so the top scoring quarterback, again, you know, we have some bonuses in the league, so it's not going to be the regular standard tracking. So you might in your league go, hey, this guy wasn't at the top of my league, but that's all right. We're looking at it for CFB Dynasty Home League. The number one scoring quarterback, BMAC, if you didn't have a chance to look, would you have said at the beginning of the year, Bo freaking Nix from Oregon <laughs> was going to be the number one scoring quarterback? 
at the beginning of the year no way but uh certainly nobody would have picked him there um <laughs> he he's one of those guys who just needed a fresh start he had you know kind of people talk about Gus Malzahn and his like high school offense sort of kind of uh, moved over into the pros and he's had success he's had success with dual threat quarterbacks but in terms of like actually reading defenses and doing things that make a quarterback better over time doesn't happen in his offense. Um, so he's been able to get out of that system, get into a, a regular system. And you, you can see some NFL hype coming a little bit for Bo Nix now, cause he's got all the tools and uh, what a great turnaround for him. And that's one of the things that the portal is great for giving guys a second chance. Um, so yeah, Bo Nix, um, we had him like 54th going into the season and really you can't, I mean, he was just pretty awful at Auburn and, uh, you can't really project a turnaround like that, um, necessarily, but dang, super happy for him and, uh, what he's been able to do out there at Oregon. And as you can see from my attire, you can see what school I'm a fan of in college football. But I got to give credit where credit's due. Drake May, true freshman, unbelievable performance this year, leading his team, currently the best team in the ACC record-wise, the team that's got the, the most direct path to the ACC championship. Not a person in the world would have expected that type of performance out of Drake May. What do you think, BMAC? Yeah, same. Like he's another guy when you look at projecting to the NFL, you don't want to start too early because there's plenty of guys that have one really good season. Everything gels with the OC, with the receivers, whatever. And then it can fall apart as like, you know, Mel Kuyper puts him number one on the big board and then he just falls down uh, over the course of his sophomore or junior season, whatever. But he looks the part. He's got all, he's got the arm angles, he's got the arm strength. Um, He's got touch. He can throw a rocket like May and that offense. They look awesome. So we'll see how he does next year. We'll get to see him without downs and and um, some of the other like senior receivers there. But um, love May. What he's been able to do has really been incredible. Um, super stoked to see that from Drake May. He's, he's really uh, fun to watch. And then a guy that is at the top of the rankings, not because of who he is, but because of the offense that he's in. Everybody expected or hoped that Austin Reed would do good just because of the uh, kind of performance that Bailey Zappi's had at Western Kentucky. But there he is at the top. Number three, Austin Reed uh, from Western Kentucky. He's had a couple of enormous games this year. He's had a couple of duds as well, but those enormous games have helped to uh, carry him to the number three spot in our league. Yeah, we moved him up. So our last rendition of the uh uh cheat sheets for drafts included austin reed we bumped him up from like he was 300 and something because he wasn't supposed to be the starter or expected to be the starter and then when he was named that we put pushed him up to a qb2 basically to he was 19th um to where we were confident if you could land him as your second quarterback that would be great but he has uh outperformed that um you know, by a long shot, like not, not surprised that this Western Kentucky offense produced a great quarterback again, like you said, cause it's happy. Um, but dang, Austin Reed has done it. Uh, he, he's just kind of kept that offense clicking along. 
Then you go down the list. You got Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams from USC, and then hilariously, you've got Clayton Tune and Max Duggan, who played against each other last week and threw the lights out and secured themselves in the top six. Um, Curtis Rourke from Ohio, another one of those Max schools. Do you expect to see Curtis Rourke being up there that high in the rankings? Now, granted, he's already played another game this week, so you know maybe uh, you know yeah, right. It's true, but still, Curtis Rourke from Ohio being up even even in the mention is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, <clears throat> Clayton Tune, we were a little bit too low on Max Duggan. We weren't sure he was going to be the starter going into the year. There was going to be that battle in the beginning of the season, and I think he actually lost it sort of to Chandler Morris, and then he got hurt. So um, Duggan took over and ran with it. So great for him. There was a lot of ambiguity going into draft season there, unfortunately. But if you took the shot at Duggan and he's someone that if he falls into round three and you've got a potential TCU quarterback and you've got a couple that are, you know, stable, uh, he's a great one that you could have taken a shot on back then. So to round of the top 10, Michael Penix from Washington, Mike Penix Jr. He actually, uh, most of the year, he was the number one quarterback. He leads uh, the league in yards. I think yards passing, yeah, which is pretty incredible right there. But um, everybody in the top 10 is averaging 35 points or better. You have to Bo Nix averaging 44. Averaging 44 is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, right. There's the clear tier there with Nix and May. And then you've got the rest, um, 35 and up there. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot. And this is why unless you're in a – even if you're in a two-quarterback league, honestly, you can wait on quarterback. We said this going into drafts last year where the difference was in terms of how many points do you earn against your opponent every week, it's in those running backs, receivers, and the top-tier tight ends um, where you can make a big difference. I mean, I, I think if you drafted Stroud in round one, you're not you know, necessarily disappointed. He's averaging 35 a game. But yeah, you could have waited and maybe got Clayton Toon a few rounds later. Um and still had roughly the same output. All right, we're going to move over to running backs now. And uh, I have not looked at the top running backs until right now. So, was, so you're going to get my live reaction to what the top running backs are. Because um, I didn't want to I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. So top running backs in our league. So right off the bat. So Bijan Robinson is number one. Nobody would be surprised to see Bijan Robinson at, at number one. Uh, he held off um, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson at the end of last year seemed like a guy that was going to, I'm not going to say split, but Roshan Johnson was going to be able to get his points. That has not been the case. Roshan has gotten some here and there, but Bishan has been the absolute, by a mile, number one running back in college football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's fantastic. But, I mean, Abana Kanda's right there, too. Well, um, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Abana Kanda is number two. My guy, Israel Abana Kanda. The thing with the Banacanda is the dude has got 241 points. He did not start the season as the starter, and he's missed two games because of injury. So and like he's got, 80 of those was in one game. <laughs> yeah, so so Banacanda in our league is the only person that is averaging over 30 points a game as a running back. Points yep. per game, so by, by a fantasy points per game, by a long shot he is leading. So if Banacanda can stay healthy... You know, if he decides to stay there one more year and play and not go to the pros, Abana Kanda is probably going to be in the top three or four in the rankings next year. 
uh, when you're looking for your drafts in 2023. Pitt doesn't get enough credit. So if they keep that same staff and they, uh, this time next year, you know, we'll cert- or going into draft season next year, we'll certainly be more heavily favoring um, Hammond or whoever's going to be the starter uh, next year at Pitt and their defense. Like they're, they're one of the top, I think they have the most sacks or maybe their second over the last decade. And some of those stats are really surprising. Pitt, I don't watch enough. They don't get enough credit from from us. So uh, that's got to change. Like that that running back situation is fantastic over there when they play, of course. Yeah. No, number three, we got Blake Corum from Michigan. That's the guy you talked about earlier. Yep. And if Donovan Edwards doesn't get hurt, maybe his points per game isn't so high, Blake Corum. Um, he was, let's see, we had him as the number seven running back going into the season, which, uh, you know, is, is a good pick. If you take him in the first round, you're really happy. Um, we had him higher than everyone else. Uh, then you got Carson Steele. Carson Steele also just played an extra game this week. He's already played Maxim, but Carson Steele, if you have Carson Steele and you played him, you're going to be well on your way to a potential playoff victory because he went absolutely ape last night. Uh, in his matching game. Yeah, man. Gordy from our league. Shout out. What a what a start there in the, in the uh, flex position for him against Dillingham. But yeah, so that's an extra 42 points um, on his 235 for the season. So it is an unfair advantage for him. He should be like, you know, 10th or 12th on this list um, if they hadn't played that game already. Then you look at Zazavian Valade when he transferred to Arizona State. It was like, oh man, you're leaving offense where you were, the, you were the man. Wasn't sure if he was going to be able to perform up to the level, but hey, you're top five. And you said if, if Carson Steele wanted to play last night, he's top four. So uh, Zazavian Valade shows it doesn't matter what school he's at, he's going to go and produce. Yep. Yep. Dwayne um, McBride from UAB. Uh, he shows up in there. Kayla Leiborn from Michigan or from Marshall, excuse me. Chase Brown at Illinois. Illinois has not been putting up a whole lot of fantasy points. Uh, when it comes in, in previous years, so to see him being able to uh, go up there and just go nuts and get into the top 10 running back wise, that's great. Just underneath, and we're him, waiting on touchdowns from Chase yeah, Brown, true, we're waiting true. on them. So he's got 1,344 yards. Um, he is he's uh got the most, and everyone around him has obviously less yards and way more touchdowns. Chase Brown has five rushing touchdowns on the season. So if he gets going with some touchdowns here, he'll be not like he'll become an elite starter. He would be up there. Um, he'd be beyond Bijan Robinson and Abana Kanda if he scored an equal amount of touchdowns. Um, but dang, yeah, they're unable to punch it in down there uh, in the red zone. And, and that's how they score. They don't get a ton of big plays um, yeah. at Illinois. That we talked about beginning of the year, we said one of our most underrated players was Muhammad Ibrahim from yep. Minnesota. So it's great to see him saying, you know what, guys, you're right. I'm going to go get my top 10 running back fantasy football performance. So that's mm-hmm. great to see him up there. Yeah. Quinshaw Judkins from Mississippi. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be at that point when the season started. Where was he in the preseason rankings? Oh, man. Not, <laughs> not us. Is he even on it? Um, <laughs> Judkins was 286. Uh, wow. For running backs. <laughs> so if you were drafting Quinshaw Judkins, you had some information that most people didn't have because that was not somebody that would have been targeted at all in any draft. <laughs> so did Lane Kiffin, though. So he he was there. Uh, there's uh, kind of a famous recruiting picture of him being the uh, sitting alone in the stands watching Judkins play, just 
no one else over there on his side of the the stands. And uh, <laughs> great job on him. And then last but not least, we got two guys. So Jameer Gibbs um, for Alabama. It's um, pretty surprising to see him actually at this point because the beginning of the year, we dogged him pretty much every week. He just was not performing. He started to come on as the season has gone on. Yep. Maybe it's because the wide receiver core at, uh, at Alabama has not been performing up to the level, but Jameer Gibbs has finally got himself up in that top 10 level. Um, but it's been pretty quiet. Like other than a couple of games, you haven't really talked a whole lot about, about Jameer Gibbs uh, doing, having really good performances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had some, he's come on later in the year, kind of similar ish to Braylon Allen, who had a really slow start. Deuce Vaughn had a good start, but it just didn't score until recently. So um, some of those guys have really come on late in the year. And then we, we got to at least mention Jack, Zach Charbonnet, who's missed a couple of games. And if he didn't, he would be right up there in the top three because he's averaging 27 and a half fantasy points a game. All right, so now we're going to jump on over to uh, to wide receivers. So wide receivers in the CFB Dynasty Home League, top performances in this in the college fantasy regular season. Ah, makes me just <laughs> number one, Jalen Hyatt. Yep. Now, I don't have a problem with Jalen Hyatt, but those points should have been with my boy Tillman. Tillman should have had some of those things. Tillman not playing the, the majority of the year just crushed me. It uh, could have been him, could have changed my entire fortunes in the year. But Jalen Hyatt's like, you know what, next man up, I'm going to be the one to get all these points, and I'm going to be the number one receiver averaging 25 points a game in our league. Yeah, those are uh, – man, those, those are tough, the injury breaks. Like, injuries suck to deal with them. If you're a fan, if you're playing fantasy, they just suck. We had Tillman – um, as the number four receiver going into the season. And he just got hurt, and Hyatt, uh, Hyatt picked up the slack. We had Smith and Jigba, number one, going you know, for one of the number one offenses as the clear number one receiver. And he just gets hurt, and other guys have picked up the slack and earned those fantasy points. So uh, injuries just suck, man. And when we were at the draft, there's a bunch of guys that did some mock drafts beforehand, and they thought I was going to draft Tank Dell. Tank Dell is my kind of guy, and they thought I was going to take t- take Tank Dell over Tillman. I took Tillman for his pro potential, um, but I didn't take Dell in that league. And here he is at number two. Granted, he had a completely insane week last week in that uh, that crazy uh, you know Texas shootout between uh, SMU and Houston. But uh, Tank Dell averaging twenty three points. That's a uh, pretty pretty impressive uh, for for Tank Dell to be up there at number two. Charlie Jones from Purdue at number three, BMAC. Where do we have him in the preseason rankings? I did not expect Charlie Jones to be at that level, uh, being at the top three receiver. I don't think anybody expected him to be a top three guy at this point. No, he was he was in the rankings. He was down. He was a sleeper uh, at 240. Everyone kind of thought that um, – um, Oh no, what's his name? The transfer in was going to kind of take over as, you know, the top guy there at Purdue. And um, that just, that's crazy. Crazy that he's, he's really taken over and been the guy and been a downfield target. Also, uh, you know, great possession receiver too. So He's the clear number one there and and really taken over. Okay, Tyrone Tracy. Yeah, we had yeah, Tyrone, Tyrone Tracy. Tracy at number 27. 
Um, there was a lot of uh, college fantasy, you know, peeps that had him top 15. And a lot of the writers for Purdue were really high on Tracy going into the season, going into week one, they were talking about how they've got to get him the ball. They got to get him the ball out of the backfield. They're showing him in practice, um, lining him up everywhere. He's just, it never materialized um, on the field. And uh, Charlie Jones, the sleeper just, just took off. He's one of those guys. If you can get him as a waiver wire pickup early on in the season, you're rewarded for it. You got a uh, Rishi Rice from SMU at number four. Obviously, he was uh, he was bolstered by that ridiculous game last week, but still, to be number four, that means you had to have some other great performances in the year. Uh, Allie Jennings from Old Dominion cracks the top five. Yep. yep. Where do, where do we have him in the preseason rank? I feel like he was up there in the top in the sleepers, but I don't I don't think we had him expected to be at that level. Yeah, let's see. He was number 36 going into the into the season for us in our rankings. So um, we had him pretty high, but not high enough. We got Xavier Hutchinson coming in next, Iowa State. Then uh, then your boy Marvin Harrison Jr., finally an Ohio State guy. Those guys are always in the top five as the, on the weekly starts. But finally, one of those Ohio State guys cracks the uh, the top 10 in the, uh, the overall rankings there. Um. Then you got Malachi Corley. Malachi has had some amazing games, but and I've had him. I have him. Well, one of the problems with Malachi Corley is there's so many receivers at Western Kentucky. They have got just a a huge core of receivers, and you can't count on Malachi Corley to get consistent points. You got to start him and hope this is going to be his week to get thirty, because next week it could be his week where he gets two. Mm-hmm. And that's been Absolutely. that's been the uh, that's been what he's done every single week this year. Yep. Then to round out the top 10, you got a Mecca Buka from Ohio State. So there's two Ohio State receivers uh, in the top 10. Um, nobody nobody uh, is surprised by that. But uh, if you go back to our, our refrain from earlier, what is it you don't see? You don't see anybody from Alabama even close to the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yep, just a disappointing receiver crew. And then you've got, yeah, Zakari Franklin, Zay Flowers, Trey Harris. That rounds out the people, also Rome Adunze that average 19 or more fantasy points as a receiver. So if you were able to get two of those guys um, and your opponent didn't get any of them, you're, you're getting, you know, about a 10 point per game advantage there. Um, So huge advantage if you're able to get one of these top receivers for sure. All right. So now we're going to go over to tight ends and tight ends this year. Interesting. Every year you'll have somebody that is just, blowing up um somebody that really is like is he really a tight end or is he a wide receiver this year there's a couple guys that are at the top of the list there's one guy that frustratingly still shows up on fan tracks rankings even though he's a running back but they still allow him to play at tight end we don't allow that in our league uh, but there's only one two three four five six seven eight guys at tight end that average 10 points or more a game uh, led by two guys you would expect, Michael Meyer from uh, from Notre Dame and Brock Bowers from Georgia. Uh, I think that in the preseason rankings, those are probably the two guys that were at the top as it was, uh, or in the top three. Yeah, and this is this is where, and we talked about this a lot, y'all, when we're looking at mock drafts and you're seeing them drafted third, fourth round, and people are like, oh, wow, a tight end. Well, look what it gets you. It gets you a five-point or more advantage on everyone else in the league. 
Um, so yeah, you've got Kincaid, Bowers, Mayer, all averaging about 15 or more points. Donaldson too, but again, he he's not a tight end. Yeah, and you got Kincaid who actually has the uh, the highest points per game average. That's actually bolstered by his absurd 16 reception, 234 yard game a couple weeks ago. But Kincaid actually has the highest fantasy points per game uh, this year, which is on one hand is pretty impressive. On the other hand, it's a Utah offense. You know, they're going to be putting up some points. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, guys. So that wraps it up for our, our look back at the top tens uh, in, uh, in for the regular season for college fantasy stats in the CFB dynasty home league. Your league is going to score a little differently. We'd like to know if you guys had anybody that, that popped off onto the top of your list that we didn't talk about. Make sure you put it up there in the discord. Now we're going to go on to some news and notes for the playoffs. News and notes. All right, so this uh, this week, CFB player updates from Tuesday, November 8th. Before we get in there, let's just also make sure one thing you want to make sure that you're really paying attention to is the weather forecast. You got Tropical Storm slash Hurricane Nicole out there in the Atlantic right now. Uh, we were able to 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 come out unscathed when it came to Hurricane Ian. Um, it went south of us. Uh, Nicole is probably not going to happen. If you look at the track and you look at how it makes that kind of go, goes to the left and then jumps back to the right, it's basically saying, hey, I want to make sure I do a, do a fish hook around Ocala where both Brian and I are located. Uh, not going to be dealing with much wind up here, but it's supposed to have an enormous amount of rain. Um, how that's going to affect college fantasy football. Uh, that is supposed to go right up the East Coast all weekend. So who knows if there's going to be any games that are going to get moved, any games that might get delayed. So keep your eye on the weather and make sure that you're not going to have one of your guys that you think is going to be a huge starter that is uh, going to have a, a late game, going to get moved or some kind of nonsense like that. Uh, we can't control the weather, but we can control reporting some of the news and notes on the injuries that are out there. Um, it we're going to start with it could be the exact opposite of last week where over the north we have those storms coming in if you didn't see the wind in the ohio state game wow i didn't know how bad it was really until right before kickoff and they were showing noah ruggles kicking field goals and the wind is just putting up a wall and just saying no more <laughs> so i i didn't know it was going to be that bad but now across the south like it's going to be wind and rain affecting a lot of games so let's go look at Texas State. Texas State could be missing much of their offense, running back Calvin Hill, wide receiver Ashton Jenkins, both out for the season. Rontavius Groves is going to be out this week. Marcel Barbie uh, was out last week. Uh, he's actually being a game-time decision. Javen Banks. So not that a lot of people are going to be playing Texas State offensive players, but I'm not sure if there's anybody you'd want to consider with their offense being uh, as completely out of sorts as it is. Stanford running back uh, Brandon Barrow last week. Uh, started and uh, he rushed for an amazing three carries for 19 yards. Yes. Uh, BMAC, you got any thoughts about the Stanford running back core there? <laughs> no, uh, I not really. Like EJ, just injuries. So EJ Smith was having a great season. Like his fantasy points per game were up there in the top 10 or 12 for running backs, if I remember that correctly. He went out for the season. Filkins comes in as a great waiver wire pickup then he gets hurt and then Caleb Robinson gets hurt. Now Barrow is hurt. They have one running back listed on the depth chart. Who's a converted safety. <laughs> oh so um, 
maybe like if if your waiver wire is still open and you're a keeper league, maybe you snag EJ Smith if someone dropped him. I did that in one league. Um, but yeah, that, that part sucks. Let's see here. Malik Cunningham the, dinged his hand last week, but they expect him to play this week. Uh, that's good because you need some Malik Cunningham in your life. Um, Eastern Michigan, Austin Smith uh, started Tuesday night, so that's good. doesn't really affect this week because if you've either played him or you haven't. Yep. Um, Brett Gabbert, Miami of Ohio, um, uh, had a leg injury, so uh, that's not good right there. Let's see. Uh, your your favorite guy to talk about, Phil Jerkovic from Boston College, did not Ugh. practice on Tuesday. Brian, how bad does this affect your team? If you don't have Phil Jerkovic in there to not consider to play this week. Just a pitiful season out of Boston College. Everything needs to change. Oh man, like it's it's just gonna be me riding either Bryce Young or Daquan Finn, um, who's back now. Um, he played last night, so that's exciting for me. You got a Vanderbilt, uh, AJ Swan is not on the depth chart. Mike White or Mike Wright is expected to start this week. Not a lot of people are gonna be playing a Vanderbilt starting quarterback. But uh, still, if you are, uh, Mike Wright is going to be the guy. Um, Oscar Attaway, running backs, North Texas. He's been removed from the depth chart. Um, let's see here. Drill Brock, Ohio or Iowa State. Uh, team's going to know more this week. Sounds like he's going to take part in some limited practices, so he might have a chance to be able to make it back. Uh, Samson Evans from Eastern Michigan. If a name like Samson, he's got to get his butt back in the game, man. He's too strong to uh, not be able to be in that game. That's right. Uh, let's see here. Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina, limited of practice, but he says he's feeling better, so we expect he's going to be playing. Kenny, Mac Kenny McIntosh, Georgia, same thing, limited of practice with a thigh bruise. Uh, UCLA, Zach Charbonnet, dressed in practice and seen taking part in individual drills. Keegan Jones, however, not in pads and seen on the exercise bike. Yeah, Charbonnet dressed and didn't play last week. That sucks for uh, those owners. But, yeah, now it's the, the higher stakes in the fantasy playoffs. All right, wide, wide receivers, uh, UCLA, Kashmir, Allen dressed for Tuesday's practice but appeared limited. Um, tight end for Caleb Faria for Colorado, listed as out for the season now. Mm. See here, Rakeem Jarrett, um, Maryland called good to go, did not practice Monday, but he's going to said he's going to try to practice Tuesday. We don't have that report yet at the time of this recording. All right, Kansas State. Got to only bring this one up just because his name is Malik Knowles. So I'm sure he's going to be my brother from another mother somewhere down the line. Uh, but Malik <laughs> Knowles and Cade Warner not practice yet this week, but are expected to play for K-State this week. Let's see here. Uh, Texas State, we just talked about them. Um, Jalen Walker, Miami of Ohio, returned to practice on Tuesday. Um, not a whole lot of uh, really impactful news and notes this early in the week. Uh, we'll keep on it. If there's any any specific more news and notes that we uh, that that need to get posted, we'll make sure they get onto the Discord so you can make the, the proper decisions by the time the the weekend comes up. Yeah, still waiting to hear fully on Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Quentin Johnston. Um, a lot of big names out there. We're gotta be following the injury news. Sadly, on Twitter and making sure you're available. Going into the game, don't be going out to these fall festivals um, when you've got a, a lineup to to monitor. So that's why um, you got to get your priorities straight. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So 
Now let's go over to the rankings. We're going to approach this a little differently this week. The rankings. Uh, we're going to go to the uh, quarterbacks first. There's a bunch of names that you you see, like you, you've seen. We've already talked about Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Drake May, Clayton Toon, Tanner Mordecai, C.J. Stroud, um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. We've talked about all those guys. Um, do, are you going to you going to believe that uh, Clayton Toon and Tanner Mordecai are going to be able to have games that are going to uh, match the insanity of last <laughs> week? You think they're going to be able to follow it up, or do you think it's going to be like we have happened sometimes in fantasy, where they have a little bit of a drop off after uh, after an incredible week? I mean, some of these over-unders are big enough. <laughs> like Tanner Mordecai, 74 and a half is the over-under there for that game um, against South Florida on the road. So, shoot, maybe we'll see it from Mordecai. Uh, there's a little bit of tempered expectations from uh, Clayton Toon in their game against Temple, but they're still expected to score 40. Um, so, yeah, I you expect big games out of Mordecai, Clayton Toon, Drake May, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, those are all elite, elite starts this week. Um, and the same could be said for Stroud, DTR, Frank Harris. Um, those are all like the top, all the teams with great quarterbacks that are projected to score right around that 40 point mark. Um, so hopefully you've got one or two of those ready to go. Yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson, his team has got the highest over under currently this week. That game has got a 77.5 over under. And um, you look at the projections, you got Caleb Williams. His team is expected to score 49. Uh, Mordecai, 46. CJ Stroud, 49.5. You can tell that we are in the latter part of the season when offenses just start, start going crazy in college football. Um, you know, so many guys are projected to have their offense scoring nearly 50 points this week. BMAC, is there anybody on the list this week that you uh, you want to talk about that's lower down? Cameron Rising did not play last week. so Or was it two weeks ago? Cameron Rising did not play. Cameron Rising jumping up to the uh, QB 13 in this week's rankings. He played a little bit. Yeah, he had 12 points last week. Um, so he's there if he's healthy. Um, so that's to be seen, really. Um Bryce Young is someone who's fallen down the list. You know, you kind of would have would have expected at Ole Miss that to be a, a great game for Bryce Young, and it still could be. But you know, we're less confident in him now. The last few weeks, he hasn't hit thirty points. So, uh, twenty-two, then zero on a bye week, and then eighteen last week. Um, so you're seeing, and we're learning more about these teams, and you're just kind of seeing who they are, like. He's still a really good start, but you know, you've got to really, uh, you got to really kind of make that big time decision. If any of those guys ahead of him, Hendon Hooker, Austin Reed, Frank Harris, if I've got them, I'm starting them over Bryce Young. But Bryce Young, hopefully, will turn it around and and have a blowout win. I will mention, see Daquan Finn down there, QB 17, and his team against is listed as by. Well, that's a the fan tracks issue that we faced the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh, he's obviously he doesn't have a buy. He played last night. It's just an erroneous uh, fan tracks listing. So we can go in and manually update some of those. But when you see that there, don't be alarmed. And uh, he came back, had a three touchdown performance. So BMAC, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Let's go. So I'm looking down these rankings, and the rankings only show the top thirty. 
but I see that you have omitted MJ Morris from NC State. You do not have him in the top 30, even though he's playing against Boston College. Um, you have any thoughts about MJ Morris? For you guys that don't know, MJ Morris, uh, NC State had Devin Leary, who was a preseason ACC player of the year, um, out for the year with a torn pec muscle. Um, they had some two terrible, terrible, terrible weeks. Uh, Jack Chambers was in as a graduate transfer. They put the true freshman MJ Morris in, and that guy is lighting it up uh, with his feet and with his arm. The guy, he's probably got a Michael Vick uh, worth uh, strength in his arm. I'm not even going to say the way he runs. Just with his arm, he's been throwing like 60, 65 yards down the field, like flat-footed. Like He doesn't even look like it even phases him. Um, but he's bringing, bringing a lot of hope back to Raleigh. What is this guy going to have to do to crack the top 30, BMAC? Come on, man. <laughs> so are you are you going to start him over one of these guys in the top 30, a freshman? Are you going to bet your playoffs on a freshman? Um, really, I'm looking for consistency and kind of who I would start over who. Whereas, you know, maybe MJ Morris has a, a great game against Boston College this week, and maybe he beats out Stetson Bennett, who's our, our QB 30 for the week, um, and really doesn't have a, a super high ceiling. But I think he's got a low floor, and I don't want to bet on a freshman who's I, I had just a couple starts. I, I can agree with you on that. He was a top 12 quarterback last week when it came to the overall totally. stats. Top 12 yep. last week. But like Brian said, a lot of what we look for is consistency, and it's kind of hard to get consistency because um, the week before that, they played Virginia Tech. The first half of that game was one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, once, But once he clicked and once he started throwing the ball down the field and they opened up the offense, it was like, like a, a bright light shined down from the heavens on the NC State offense and gave us some hope again. But uh, definitely somebody to be watching out for, but it makes absolute sense as to why he's not in that top 30, even though he was a top 12 quarterback last week. Now, I haven't got to see him yet. I'm going to try to watch him this weekend. But yeah, Connor Wegman, same thing. He didn't play against Florida because um, of the flu. But uh, that offense just opened up and had a just, it was a fresh offense. It looked great. Things were clicking. Um moving down the field but yeah you just never know and that's that's where you know freshmen in general that's why they don't start um unless they're elite elite or there's injury problems because there's more volatility there and you don't want that in the playoffs i agree with you on that all right let's take a look now at running backs again we have a bunch of names we've already talked about in the show no need for us to, to talk about them again um zach charbonnet blake Corum, Bijan robinson muhammad ibrahim uh, all the top four, you got Travis Dye from USC at number five. We haven't talked about him a lot. Let's talk a little bit about Travis Dye at USC, how he's jumped up into the top five this week. He's averaging 19 fantasy points a game. Um, his last couple games, he's had 20 and 18 and a half. He's just really consistent, um, you know, with the the game being against Colorado. If you haven't watched any of the buffs this year, they're awful. They're really one of the worst power five teams in the country. And so USC's expected to beat down Colorado 49-15. So you think of the game script of 49-15. USC's going to have a big lead. Sure, they could throw uh, for seven touchdowns and then kind of run it in the second half and put backups in. But you expect more often than not, Die is going to get his share. And he's got an added bonus of them trying to 
you know, kind of run the clock out there against Colorado. So love die this week. He's an elite start. All right. Then we got Jameer Gibbs, Dwayne McBride names you see up here all the time. But Damian Webb, hopefully he's able to continue what he's done. Then you got Look a at that trend there. Look at that trend. That's 2.6 when you started him a couple weeks ago and, and or he three actually weeks was, ago. And he was worse than that the week before. It was like a 0. <laughs> yeah. 0.8 and then a 2.6 and then 35, 48. <laughs> Gotta Ridiculous. love fantasy football. <laughs> and then uh, a, a band of candle. Like I said, he had three cons- three incredible games in a row. And then he's a, a late game uh, DMP last week. Yeah. So if you've got a band of candle, like I do an MVP, um, and I've also got LaDamian Webb over there. Um, if, if Israel Abanacanda can play, I feel pretty solid about my, my riding back core. If he does not play, then uh, I'm just going to be pretty pissed off at that point because, uh, you know, <laughs> that's the freaking fantasy playoffs. Come on, they got to know better. I know, I know. <laughs> Let's see, so, uh, so Will Shipley, you talked about him earlier. Will Shipley doesn't even crack the top 10, and he's been a, a pretty much of a stalwart in the top five, six, or seven. You have him as a running back 12 this week against Louisville. Yeah, we don't know how that offense is going to look. They were pitiful against uh, Notre Dame. So it's going to be a struggle. That one's projected to be a 29-22 win for Clemson. Um, Shipley should be the the focus of the offense, you would think, especially if uh, they end up putting Klubnik in. But I think they're just going to roll out DJU and hope he turns it around, I guess. All right, so last ones I want to talk about go down to running back 16, running back 17, George Halani and Brad Roberts. Brad Roberts was crushing it mm-hmm. for a few weeks. The last couple of weeks, Brad Roberts has kind of fallen off. So uh, he was up in the top five as far as fantasy statistics uh, for, for quite a while, and then he just yep. fell off. And so I feel a little bit concerned about, about Brad Roberts right now, whether he's going to be able to do uh, what you're going to need him to do in, that, uh, in, in the fantasy playoffs. But Halani... Uh, very interesting there. Um, Halani would, did, was a was a DNP a couple weeks ago, and our man Austin Genty played and went completely insane. And before that point, you had Halani and Genty that were basically splitting carries. Yep. As of last week, Genty was doing nothing. It was Halani this, Halani that. It was all Halani. So it's really weird that Halani's coming back from an injury and he's not even coming back into a running back by committee situation. He basically has taken over and taken over everything in that Boise State offense. So it'll be interesting to see if it stays that way or if uh, there's a little bit more of a, of, a, of a share of the workload of the Boise State offense this week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That one is kind of weird. All right. So let's uh, let's scroll down to the wide receivers to see what pops out here. So um, top five, top six, top seven, all names we've heard already this, this podcast, Rishi Rice. From SMU, Zachary Franklin, UTSA, Marvin Harrison, Ohio State, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, Tank Dell, Houston, Josh Downs, UNC, Jordan Addison, USC. Assuming he's healthy. Yeah. It's a good game for him to sit, honestly. Or it's a good game for him to kind of get back into the rhythm rhythm of the offense as they get deeper into the fantasy playoffs. That's a a tough one. If you've got him, do you start him? Is he going to play a couple of series just to get into the rhythm? Um, you figure if he plays, they're going to try and work him into the game script, get him a touchdown, and get him kind of back on track for the stretch run for USC, who's very much in the thick of things in the Pac-12 uh, conference championship race. I can tell you, I want to scroll down just a little bit because I'm going to do a reverse risk it lock this week. 
Let's I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a guy that I think you really, really, really want to be careful about playing this week. And that is going to be AT Perry. Not that I think AT Perry is going to have a horrible week, but if you watched the NC state wake forest game last week, uh, Sam Hartman was all out of sorts. Uh, mm-hmm. He just, he just did not look good in that game at all. And um, if the quarterback is not looking good, that's going to affect the wide receiver performance. And you're going from NC State having a great defense to UNC, who's the number one team in the ACC right now. Um, I am not sure if if Hartman is going to be able to recover after the way he played last week. So I'm not saying don't start A.T. Perry. I'm not saying take this guy out of your lineup. But what I am saying is you want to be careful if you have other options you might want to go and do some research and see how you feel about that because Hartman just did not look good last week in that game. And if he continues that trend against a solid team like UNC, that could mean some bad things for A.T. Perry. Um, Would I take him out of my lineup in the fantasy playoffs? Probably not. But you definitely want to make sure you do that research and don't just think, hey, I'm going to plug in A.T. Perry. He's going to get me a ton of points. There's definitely some issues on that Wake offense. Yeah, he's the 12th rated receiver for us this week. And that's projected to be a shootout in favor of Wake against UNC, 40 to 36 and a half. Um, Should be a pretty incredible game. Night game uh, at Wake. Maybe it's a senior day. A.T. Perry's not a senior, but I know it's it's senior day season now. It's coming up for a lot of teams. BMAC, anybody else you want to uh, talk about? I see we got Jared Brown, the freshman from Coastal Carolina at at wide receiver 17. We normally don't go this deep into the rankings, but – you know what? The, some of these guys are going to win or lose your games if you make the right decision on it. Yeah, Tyler Scott for Cincinnati. He kind of picked up where he left off last week. Um, <clears throat> he came back from a high ankle sprain, had a few games that he missed. Or I think it was two games and a bye week that he missed, like right after I picked him up. And um, then he scored nine points in his comeback game, and then 31 last week. So great game for him. He is clearly the top receiver at Cincinnati. So in games where Cincinnati's going to throw the ball and have success, you expect Tyler Scott to be the recipient there. He's down there at wide receiver 19 because it's like a a 30-24 to game, uh, Cincinnati against CCU, but Tyler Scott's a really good start. All right, so that's what we got for the rankings this week. Obviously, we didn't go through all of them, but that's why you need to go up to CFBDynasty.com and subscribe so you can go up there and you can do your own research. You can check your rankings against everybody on your lineup. Get up there on CFBDynasty.com. And you also want to get your butt over onto the CFB Dynasty Discord. Go to Discord.com. Make sure you're signed up over there. Go interact. We have a couple of questions from the Discord that we wanted to talk about this week. Let me go see where the sheet is so that we can pull those things up. You don't happen to have that sheet right in front of you, do you there, BMAC? Got it. So Just here we it. go. Uh, this was from, let's see, we've got it in Twitter, and we've got one here in, um, I think the ones you posted in here, are the, the same guy I interacted with on Twitter. So okay. he's got a few. Um, and I think it was pick two wide receivers. You've got Tillman from Tennessee, uh, Tet McMillan, Washington, Bobo, 
uh, Evan Stewart and Isaiah Williams. And we interacted a little bit on Twitter and <clears throat> we do want these in the discord though. So this is perfect. And I went with, you know, Tillman who, you know, he came out of the gates last week against Georgia, I think with eight catches, I could be wrong. Maybe it was eight targets and six catches or something like that, but he's going to be productive. They're going to try and work him back into the flow of the offense because they're going for a playoff run here. So I like Tillman a lot. <clears throat> McMillan has a, a little bit of a more difficult schedule. And Evan Stewart um, or Isaiah Williams would be my next two and three. I like Evan Stewart, though, with all of the uh, targets he's been getting. Hopefully we get a healthy Wegman um, this week. But Tillman and Evan Stewart's who I'd roll with there. Out of yeah, I think, it, I think it's difficult to not play Tillman because – you know, as we've talked about many times, Tillman, you probably invested a very high draft pick into him. Uh, he's healthy now. Yes, he's not putting up high at numbers, but that's because he missed almost the entire year. But now he's healthy. Now you're in the playoffs and Tennessee is going for a playoff run. You've got to start Tillman. Yeah. And that one's it. The other question has expired. That was for uh, last week, actually. Okay. Then we're definitely not going to answer it. <laughs> um, all right. So. Who do you got? Let me before we get into the brisket lock. You want to make a brisket bet? I'll bet you a, a barbecue meal if you want to go against me here. We've got a matchup: Gordy against Dillingham in the playoffs. All right. I'm just chilling on a bye week with Doug, um, and we're looking at the lineups here. Gordy has 42.3 in his pocket with Carson Steele. Um, Jaden Daniels, Ibrahim, Deuce Vaughn, Aronde Gadsden, A.T. Perry, Stribling, and then Latu. Um, and then Podlesny at kicker, Wisconsin defense at Iowa should be a good one for him. Against Dillingham, who's got Drake May at Wake, uh, Travis Dye, Bijan Robinson, and then in the flex, he's got Jordan Mims at UNLV on Friday night. At receiver, he's got Tyrese Chambers, Zay Flowers, Zachary Franklin, and then Ryan Jones at tight end with BT Potter and Michigan's D against Nebraska. It's going to be a tough one. I would bet on Dillingham and uh, his team to win it. What do you think? Are you, uh, you going to give me a point spread? <laughs> <laughs> You've got 42.3 in the pocket there. Um, mm, man. If you wanted to take Gordy, but if you think Dillingham's going to be it, then we'll pay for I'm, our. Own, I'm, I'm telling you, I think. You know what? I think I'm going to go with Gordy in that game only because. I, I think I'm going to go with Gordy in that game, not because I think that it's going to be a, a. I, I think I just. Gordy is there's just something about the way Gordy has interacted this year, the way he approaches his teams. <laughs> I feel like Gordy is going to be able to, to sneak out, sneak out the big upset victory in that game. <laughs> I hate, I hate going against Mike Dillingham because literally Mike Dillingham, if you've ever seen his house, he, he, I am his rival and he pull, he'll put my logo on his wall. He's got a picture of putting my logo over his toilet for real <laughs> because he wants to beat me all the time. So I don't want to give him any more toilet bowl, material uh to want to go beat my butt in, in any league that we're in 
You know he's got the voodoo dolls in the closet and all that stuff. Do, Dillingham man. does everything to win. <laughs> I do, man. I do. So I, I'm I, going with Dillingham. All right. If, I'll if go, I'll go Gordy, Gordy wins, I'll take you out for barbecue. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I, I can I can roll with that. I can roll with that. <laughs> all right. Do you have so, a, a brisket lock? You have the anti-brisket lock there, the obviously. I don't, I don't think I have a brisket lock this week. You know what, though? You want to look at the other game? Since we got the other game up there, let's, let's give a prediction on that one. Let's go uh, for the playoffs. And I, so for the brisket lock, I'm rolling with someone close to home that I think is going to take off Florida. I'm going with Anthony Richardson. So the Gators have had the toughest schedule in college football for the first however many weeks of the year. You know, they open with Utah, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's been a struggle. But I think they're going to turn it around. They play against South Carolina this week. Then they play Vanderbilt. And then they've got a good... Um, road test against Florida state after a nice road victory against uh, Texas A&M. So I think Richardson's going to have a really strong finish to the season um, here. So <clears throat> this one is, uh, is easy for me and I, I will put a point spread if you want to go uh, Danny on this one, cause I'm rolling with Rutgers and I'll, I'll put uh 20 i'll give you 20 points too well let um, me say this let me say this he's got I, uh, caleb williams at quarterback all right we've got braylon allen zach charbonnet and quinshawn judkins at uh which you know if zach evans is back and healthy that might not be a great start for him in flex um and then he's got downs mims and adunze with Payne durham at tight end really good Ohio State defensive start and the number one fantasy kicker year to date, Jake Moody at Michigan. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. I I can't, I can't be, I can't, uh, I can't believe Tucker's going to win this game this week only because I, I dropped one on him last week. He ended the regular season on a downer. Um, You would look (laughs) at, you would look at them and you would say that Rutgers should be, be dropping the hammer. However, Danny Tucker and Temple still scored more points than Rutgers did last week. Rutgers ended mm-hmm. the regular season on an absolute downer. CJ Stroud absolutely had a horrific game last week, but it was wind aided. Um, I think yeah. he's going to bounce back this week. I think Rutgers is going to take that game as well. Yeah. Penix uh, for Danny, Eric Gray, Laybourne, and then in the flex, he's got Brad Roberts. And then at receiver, he's got Egbuka. He's got Jalen Hyatt, Ali Jennings. Uh, so not not a bad team at all. Utah going up against Stanford with a safety at running back. And uh, I think that's going to be potentially, you know, he's got a shot. So you wouldn't take a lunch bet with a 25-point spread? Man, I've, already got, I've already got one out there, man. Dang, <laughs> maybe I have to pay for two of them. Dang. <laughs> I will say this. If you want me to put a brisket lock out there, I am not telling you to start him in the playoffs. But I am telling you, you do want to watch some MJ Morris this weekend because – he is Let's an electrifying freshman. I actually, actually spent Saturday in the day with a Florida State fan, oh, and um, he was <laughs> he was hyped up about his Miami game that night. But he was talking about how he's like, yeah, MJ Morris is the real deal, and he's like, he has no reason to be telling me this. He just follows recruiting a lot, and uh, he was pretty hyped about what MJ Morris was going to do last week. So Great. I think that the matchup they have this week, this could be a big game for him. That's awesome. All right. All right, that is it for right now. If uh, if this podcast decides to drop, 
before 9 p.m. on Thursday. You guys need to run, not walk to tinyurl.com forward slash airs, H-E-I-R-S-T-P-P-2. Uh, that is what I do with the other time that I have in Symmetry Creations. That is my content creating, content writing um, company. There's a Kickstarter we have up there for one of our graphic novels. You can get metal music. You can get all kinds of cool comic coverage. You can get collectible trading cards. You can get collectible leather work, all kinds of fun stuff, uh, custom socks, all kinds of awesome stuff. But that Kickstarter ends at 9 p.m. on Thursday, November 10th. So if this drops before then, you want to run up there to tinyurl.com forward slash airstpp 2 and go check it out. That's legit. Do it. I will be watching football all weekend. I'm super excited. So, um, <coughs> and without the pressure of uh, being in the playoffs. So hopefully uh, we'll get some of the guys together and then watch some games this weekend. All right, for all you guys out there in the playoffs, good luck. For all you guys that aren't out there in the playoffs, what are you doing? Fix your team. Watch some CFB Dynasty <laughs> podcast. Go to the CFB Dynasty site. Do some research. Make your team better for next year. For Brian McElfresh, my name is Matt Knowles. This has been the CFB Dynasty podcast for Week 10. Good luck. See you guys later.